Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her, house, her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. This past weekend, I made my yearly pilgrimage to Hot Springs, North Carolina, for the Wild Goose Festival. And for those of you who have never heard of such a festival, I want you to imagine this. Imagine Woodstock, but for people of faith. And every July, for the past five years, I've made the 10-hour drive with me and my other hippie friends down to the Appalachian Mountains, and we bathe in the French Broad River together there. And it's together in that sacred place that we sing and we dance and we celebrate for four days the beloved community that the wild goose, the Holy Spirit, blesses us with. It's that community of oddballs and outsiders that is enough to bring me back every year. But as I further reflected on what it is that calls me back to the goose, it's more than just the community for me. I go back to the goose year after year because for me, it is also a prophetic space. And what I mean by that is that it's a space that frees me from distractions. Because isn't that what the best prophets do for us? They free us from distractions so we can focus on what matters, so we can see what's really important to put our attention on. So. I go to the Goose each year for four glorious days where I get to listen to modern-day prophets like Nadia Bowles-Weber, Barbara Brown-Taylor, Diana Butler-Bass, and William Butler III. These prophets and more, they have a way with words, a way of seeing the world and articulating what we need to be giving our attention to. Almost like a societal doctor, a prophet has a way of diagnosing an illness that plagues our world and offering to us a treatment plan. They aren't concerned with just managing the symptoms that can distract us. They are intent on getting to the, co the core of our sickness and offering to us a cure, or at least a starting place on a path to collective wellness. But it's not just the speakers of the goose that prophesy to me. It's also the nature that I find myself immersed in while I'm there. The smell and the gentle sway of the trees. The daily ritual of remembering my baptism with a dip in the river. The dirt that sticks to my sweat-drenched skin. It all comes together to make for a prophetic experience where the daily distractions of life melt away and I return to where I have come from. The dirt, the water, the wind, the breath of God. 
That's what makes the goose a prophetic yearly pilgrimage. The holy people and the sacred place where it is set, it all reminds me of what really matters. And as I think about this experience for myself, I wonder for you, where are those prophetic spaces for you? Who are those prophetic people for you? Maybe it's Martin Luther King Jr. who spoke with courage and clarity about our country's sin of systemic racism. Or maybe a place that frees you from distraction is a sanctuary like this one, where we come here with one clear and simple purpose, to hear the word of God, to receive the sacraments, and to participate in the beloved community through prayer and song and fellowship. Whoever it is, wherever it is, it is there that you experience the prophecy that frees you from distraction. And it's there that something is happening, something between those people and the places that calls us back again and again to be reminded of what really matters. But prophets, prophets aren't always so pleasant, right? In fact, a prophet that doesn't agitate you or get under your skin and stir you to action in some way, I would say isn't a prophet at all. Those might just be people in places that are just enabling you to cope with the distracting symptoms, but never treating the source of the symptoms. A true prophet, as Pastor Lenny Duncan would say, loves you enough to tell you the truth about yourself. And today in our first reading, we hear from the prophet Amos. He could quite possibly win the award for being the most unpleasant and upsetting of all the biblical prophets because of his very clear and direct and almost unhinged way of telling the truth about the world around him. He definitely cuts through distractions with lines like, Hear this, you that trample the needy and bring ruin to the poor of the land. I don't know about you, but it's lines like that that have me feeling convicted and almost uncomfortable. Prophets like Amos might even cause our defense mechanisms to spring into action. It's like the first time I remember learning about systemic racism. I had to come to the realization that I myself am a racist for my participation in and my lack of challenge to a system of racism that would show preference to me because of the color of, the, of my skin at the expense of my siblings of color. But thankfully, I had prophets surrounding me who would love me enough to tell me the truth about myself and the world around me. But I remember at the time, those prophets' words didn't feel so loving. They felt kind of like an attack on everything that I knew and everything that I had taken for granted. But it was also those prophets who didn't abandon me in that place. It was my friends in seminary or the trainers in my anti-racism training, or the prophets here at Holy Trinity that continue to surround me and repeatedly tell me the truth about myself and about the world so that we can dismantle racism once and for all, so we can create a just and equitable world where all people have equal opportunity to thrive and experience God's love. But back again to angry Amos for a minute. His words... They are so vehement that we might just want to disregard them and ignore them out of hand because of the way that he communicates. 
but I would say that's a mistake he would be making. Instead of shutting down because of the force behind his words, we must struggle to remain attentive to the truth that Amos is trying to convey. I think it's then that those words can burn away the distractions, the fire of those words can burn away the distractions, and return us to our true calling as Christians, to care for the poor, the outcast, the stranger, and the brokenhearted. But there is so much to distract us, so much to do, so many places to be that we can't even make eye contact with the person experiencing homelessness on the street. And our energy and attention is so taken up with our many tasks that we can't even keep up with the most recent depressing news headlines, one more staggering than the first. We just can't even sometimes. We might feel like Martha, who's too busy, who's distracted with her tasks, while her sister Mary is just sitting, resting at Jesus' feet, listening to his words. And when we come to our wit's end, with all that is keeping us busy, we can get to the point where we just all at once exclaim, Lord, do you not care that I am left to do all of this work by myself? Tell someone to help me. And here's what makes Jesus, I think, the most graceful prophet of all time. Jesus doesn't criticize Martha for her work. Jesus just gracefully frees her from her distractions so she can focus on what really matters by saying, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. And then that leaves us to think, what is that one thing? Why don't we get that answer? But what I would say is that that one thing, that one thing is grace. It's grace that invites Mary to sit at Jesus' feet and listen. And it's grace is the one thing, the most important thing that cannot be taken away from Mary for her attentiveness to Jesus. But back to angry Amos one more time. When I studied the book of Amos in seminary, I remember in my prophets class, we were studying Amos and I was just all fired up by his words. I was ready to be a prophet like Amos who was going to go out and prophesy to all the people telling them the hard truths about themselves, I was ready to just call people out on their stuff. <laughs> I wanted to be just like Amos when I was in that moment. But my wise professor, Ralph Klein, he reminded us of the trust and the love that must be present for us to be able to convey truth in love. These things don't just come instantly to us. We have to build that together in community. And I have to confess that there's probably been many times from this very pulpit that I've tried my best imitation of Amos. I've tried to tell you the truth about yourself and our world, and I haven't always done it with the most grace. I repent for the ways in which my desires to be like Amos may have distracted you. And today, I would like to prophesy to you in a way that my preaching professor, Craig Satterley, taught us to be prophetic from the pulpit. He told us to preach, but preach radical, free grace. And in our American culture especially, it's that concept of free that we might have the hardest time comprehending. We so desperately want to know that there's something we can do to 
unlock that grace for ourselves. But I'm here to testify and to prophesy that there's nothing we must do, there's nothing we can even do to unlock that grace or earn it. Because God's grace is so abundantly, so profusely, so amazingly poured out for all of us. It's to such a degree that it would almost seem wasteful by our human standards. But the never-ending to-do list, the ever-depressing headlines, the countless real and imaginary things that we spend our time worrying about or in fear of, those are all distracting us from this amazing, abundant grace around us. But it's also that grace that cuts through those distractions and returns us to who we are and whose we are. God's own beloved child. It's with that grace as our vision and as our wisdom that we will experience true liberation from all of the things distracting us. And we prophets will become like prophets of grace, inviting others to also experience that liberation and freedom from distraction through our words and deeds that, that prophesy to God's radical, free grace poured out for all people and all creation. Sometimes it just takes us sitting at the feet of our prophets, those people and those places that return us and remind us of the grace that we have, that grace that liberates us, and also that grace that stirs us to action. Amen.